You are listening to Farm and Fiddle, the podcast that celebrates and explores rural life for today and tomorrow. Every week since June 1999, we have brought you the best voices in sustainable agriculture on Mid-Missouri's KOPN 89.5 FM. This is Rhett Hartman. I'm Margo McMillan. Thanks for listening. talking to Josh Stevens, Forrester here in Columbia. And good. Uh, we got you in here because uh, we had we had a, 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 some interest in learning more about forestry, learning about what you do, your passion and, and how you've how you've learned to, to kind of mesh the two and, uh, uh, you know, learn and teach about forestry, forest products, what what nature can do for people when they get into a forest. And I don't know. Tell, tell me what you're uh, what you're thinking about. That's that's really broad, Red. Can you narrow it down a little? <laughs> well, let's let's think of this. How about if I'm walking through a forest, maybe on a hike, or it's a uh, forest on my land, um, and I just want to know, like, what's the state of this this big, you know, living entity? Uh, is it is it having a you know is it is it is it uh, resilient? Is it diseased, or is it somewhere in between? What are some things people can look for when they're looking at a forest for like forest health? Uh Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, uh, let's see. Where do we begin? Um, you know, if it's some place that you visit often, then you can you can take pictures and mm-hmm. look at those pictures uh, when you return to the site and compare. Uh, and you can also just make mental pictures of things that you see. A log is down over here. Or, yeah. Uh, tree branch has died and. Uh, things that happen in the forest generally happen slow. Uh, mm. Sometimes one season is too slow. It That's takes multiple seasons. Interesting. And yeah. so if if it's a forest that you're in a lot, you can just watch over time and see change occur. Yeah. Um, as far as measuring health, uh, there's a lot of indicators. Biodiversity is the big one. So how many species, how many living species do you have? Oh, and that's a pretty good way to measure forest health. Uh, you can go into a forest that's uh, maybe in a vacant lot in Columbia where a house used to be in an urban neighborhood that hasn't been natural forest for a long, long time. Wait, what would you say there hasn't been natural, natural forest? What's that mean, natural forest? Or what do you mean by that? Like before it was uh, settled. Oh, right. Like yeah. really old. Before it was developed into... right. You know, it's probably a farm and then uh, became a neighborhood. So even if I see a forest driving down 63 or some highway, it may not be a real old forest in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Most of Missouri's forests are fairly young because the the history of the forest, it was cut over pretty heavily. Yeah. You know, what we're seeing in the Amazon right now with the excessive excessive logging, that happened in Missouri in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And then there was a lot of protection that that came into place, and so we are benefiting from those protections today. That's, you know, I'm thinking about the big, what, McBain tree that's so big around, and it's special because it's, you know, very unique looking because it's, 
so so wide but you don't see a lot of those and it's i mean you don't see anything even near it really at least when i'm out yeah so that's maybe one of the examples of it's just they were all cut indeed yeah yeah missouri used to have a lot of trees that big wow a lot you know, and you can imagine if, if you settled the area and you need to build stuff. Um, yeah. I read this, this uh, German settler who became a state senator back in, and the women and children would go and start clearing the underbrush. Mm. And so, you know, they need to build a barn. They're going to pick the biggest trees. You know, why cut down five mediocre trees when one tree will do the job? Yeah, yeah. And so... The biggest trees were cut first. Wow. And that's how humans are. That's what they did to the uh, to the redwoods in California. I oh, think. yeah. You know, the biggest one was the first one that got cut. Oh, my God. And then, the funny and then thing about people. When, McMain, when the McBain tree was left, they were like, well, we'll leave one just for posterity. <laughs> yeah, and there was a twin. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they went down 10 years ago, maybe? No way. I don't think it's been that long. No. Oh, yeah. that's, that's crazy. So, so, and little, little side track about whether yeah. a forest is old or not. And Missouri really doesn't have that many. Um, but you said diversity of species was a big marker or something yeah. to look at. And yeah. so oaks, uh, pine trees, um, maple trees, these kinds of different trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you also want to look at right now is a good time to look at insect activity. Mm. Um, if you're in a healthy forest, you're probably going to be more likely to see insects that you haven't seen before. And that could be with any of the organisms, any of the families, uh, you know, it could oh. be with mushrooms. Oh, right. And, and then there's a bunch of organisms in the soil that's microscopic. And so the more biodiversity you see above ground, mm-hmm. you can assume that you're going to have an equal response or something wow. similar right. uh, below ground going on. And so, you know, you can't even see the full effect. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and then that area that, that is healthy becomes like a, an area that pushes out and, and it affects the communities that are adjacent to it. I bet it would, yeah. You know, even if they're not healthy at all. And maybe it has a healing effect. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I can imagine that forests act in concert like that, probably in a much more intimate way too, uh, knowing about, uh, the, the underground, like networks of fungus and whatnot. Um, we're just beginning to learn about that stuff too, in terms of health and communication. Sure. It's all connected. Yeah. You know, I saw research where they studied where the leaves accumulate in the wind so think about a big forest hill in the Ozarks. Uh-huh. The wind oh. blows leaves around all winter long. Sure. Some places get bare, some catch. And, uh, you know, they were studying the effects on soil for oh, that. Oh, wow. So it's just, it's all connected. Well, and that's a good point. You know, you think of gardening, you think of mulch everything because it's going to be good for the plants or something. But there are some native bees that need bare ground. Yeah. And I was walking around campus, um... Right, right after the weather warmed up a little bit, and there was just one spot. It was around ten feet in diameter, but just bees coming up from the ground 
and so they were buzzing just in it looked like they were just having a good time but i'm sure they were doing something just were just really low right to the ground but they were obviously coming coming up and that bare ground might not have let i mean if it wasn't bare that wouldn't have been as hospitable for them so there's yeah you need the leaves and then you need places without leaves sure and all sorts of things yeah which gets back to diversity i guess diversity yes. of landscapes and yeah, so we look at diversity on the species level and then on the landscape level as well. Wow. And, you know, so if you got like 100 acres of forest, you don't want it all to be the same. You don't, yeah. You, you want to break it up into patches. And for wildlife management, they call that the matrix, matrix habitat. You see this with a lot of food plots. People will put food plots in and maybe they've got five acres and they do all five acres in the same species and it's planted at the same time food plots meaning uh corn or yeah corn or like uh just other other crops to attract attract deer mainly uh-huh okay okay um but if you take that five acres and you break it into rows maybe if that's what your machinery if that's what works for you or however uh, but let's just use rows as an example yeah and every row is a different species or maybe uh -huh. the same species but planted two weeks later and you'll you'll support a lot more organisms doing that than just having five acres of the same i see species. so an example instead of all corn all planted at the same time it might be yeah there's shrubs and small trees all and sorts of things bushes and mm. perennials and annuals and you can just play with them and mix them all around and kind of whatever works best for you and your soil and and what you're comfortable that's, with that's neat well uh so that's kind of talking about forest health and how you can recognize it what's already healthy and maybe also making it more healthy in this way maybe planting things in succession and different diversity of things um you were talking about maybe to attract deer i guess sure and, and that that might be if you want to manage your land that way what are some other things that people can do with their 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 forest or if they're i don't know or what do other things do people do with their forest a lot of people like to improve it for aesthetics and improve it to be attractive to to most wildlife species or i should say oh i shouldn't say most yeah right. as if some uh, are excluded <laughs> but but they're not just focused on one species like deer. Uh, and then there's people that are interested in growing multi-species crops like forest farming. For, for a product. And that's something that interests me a lot. Yeah. The, the natives that lived on this world for thousands of years survived on a diet that included medicines that grew in the ground locally. I just feel like that's really missing from my life right now. Yeah, so. that's that's quite a uh, a concept to kind of bring in because we're used to going to Walgreens when we need medicine or something. And yeah. yeah, so I've just been personally just really interested in in learning more about that and and uh, discovering more. And and there's a network of people in the local community uh, that are involved, and uh, I just try to engage with them whenever possible. Yeah. And I feel like that's just going to become a, a larger and larger portion of of what people are tuning into. I just feel like, I don't know, a lot, a lot of people are just kind of let down by the, the current uh, industrial model food system. 
mm, and medicine system. And so more and more people are looking and, uh, you know, people survived this way for thousands of years. Um, sure. In a crisis, I'm not saying that mm -hmm. modern uh, medicine is a bad thing. Uh, what about medicine that just makes you feel good? Yeah. You know, that's growing in your yard that you can just throw in and, and make a tea in the morning. Yeah. You know, that's medicine too. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's less about waiting till there's an emergency medicine. It's more of the daily, everyday preventative kind of, or, or, or holistic medicine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot out there too, that you can use for, for sure. crisis. Yeah. 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 It's both, both and. Yeah. So personally as a forester, I'm interested in if we can create more biodiversity in, in any woodlot, uh, then we're edging closer to creating that food mm -hmm. source. Mm -hmm. Because uh, a lot of the native plants are either food, medicine, or both. Right. Um, the Native Americans managed it to to be like that. Mm -hmm. They tended it like a garden, and we inherited that from them. And, and now it's slowly disappearing because we're not recognizing that that, that it's there even. So. Yeah. Yeah, when I think of the forest, you know, you just think of big trees, but there's everything else that goes into that. The the everything from the microscopic to the little plants to the, you know, shrubby plants, but they don't necessarily have the char charisma of a big tree that you can slice up into wood and sell for lots of money. <laughs> but these other things have value in a different way and may and you know, monetary value too on on when you can find the market for it. So there's lots of things, I guess, you can start getting creative with. Huge value, and they can be grown together. Yeah, you yeah, can, that was the you thing. You can yeah. grow big, valuable uh, lumber trees and medicine and food underneath it. And, and if, if you're worried about profit, you'll probably make more profit, too. The, with medicine, with, with the food medicines, it can take a while for a lot of those crops to get to a place to where you're actually making money oh really well uh, you know unless they, you can just invest a lot of money up front well like the pecan trees you know you want to grow pecans it'll still it'll take 12 years or something or maybe six if it's a cultivar but it takes years for some other food crops too so it doesn't it, it kind of doesn't strike me as too strange but um shouldn't turn people off either yeah especially if they're just waiting or they're already doing stuff in their forest anyways yeah yeah. And, you know, maybe possibly, and I'm just dreaming here. Mm -hmm. I we, like dreams. I like dreams. We as a community can value whatever property is being converted into a, a food medicine pantry. Uh -huh. As a community, we can value that. And when whenever the people that tend it and own it give it up for whatever reason. Right. Uh, the community rallies and supports it and, you know, it just keeps going and it becomes the community grocery store. And, and, you know, we can do this all over in tiny patches. Really? You know, all over. We can do it in Columbia, outside of Columbia, and, and you can do it on big scale too. But, wow. um, you know, the, the tiny, uh, just having a patch of, of something here and something here not taking up too much space mm -hmm. it, you really don't need a lot of space to support uh, one person no well i just what comes to mind is dandelions you see them everywhere 
yeah. in the city and elsewhere. Uh, they were brought over, as far as I know, by the Europeans because it was cheap medicine and it worked. And uh, they could grow it really easy. And now it's like a, well, it is literally what people call a weed. And, um, yeah, just seeing the bloom that happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago is just like, my goodness, there is so much medicine, like literally in the streets almost. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it just blooms and then flowers and then, you know, seeds go and then it goes back to what it was doing. And it's like, wow, what if that was part of this medicine chest? What if this was part of that community um, awareness or that um, uh, keeping keeping it in our in our space a little bit? And some of them are very dangerous at particular points in your life, like say if you're pregnant. Oh yeah. Um, and so you should definitely do research um, before consuming. Yeah. Uh, any of these products. Yeah. Or products. Well, this is what this is what that community uh, idea comes back to: uh, learning from other people and and figuring out a network of uh, folks who are interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's folks around town. Do, do you know of any? Is there any particular organizations or anything going on? I know that agroforestry uh, school at MU does some of this stuff, but maybe there's others or. Yeah, I know Hannah Himmelgarn at the Horticulture and Agroforestry Research Center in New Franklin. She she started a, a little forest farm demonstration patch, uh-huh. and she has extensive experience. Uh, she's taught me a lot, and so That's I, I was able to go out there and volunteer the first day, but they've had more days since, and, and it was seasonal. They did a few days, oh. uh, different parts of the seasons. That's cool. So I, I only got to go to the first one. I'm not sure where they're at, but I think it's... She's taking um, like a fescue lawn and converting it. And and so that's one way. Mm. And you can also take, you know, a, a forest and, and start working it from wow. that angle as well. Well, it sounds like, you know, you need people like Hannah or you to uh, kind of help assess the situation um give some perspective from from what you've seen and start seeing where you can go from something like that sure doing doing homework up front is is the biggest part yeah uh, we like to sit down and sketch out what it's going to look like and where different species are going to be and mm. you know as we're developing it uh that 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 gets shifted here and there and species get taken off and put in so so it's a continual it's just a dynamic process um putting it together oh yeah (laughs) i I would like to say a thing about harvesting uh over harvesting is a problem and and uh certain species are restricted from from harvesting in the wild uh and then certain properties uh, particularly state properties um so you gotta be careful you gotta check uh about where you're harvesting from and then the issue with over harvesting is you know if you and others keep returning to a site uh, you can deplete it mm-hmm. and so people that that like to care uh, try to try to actually tend to it and nurture it so it yeah it's more abundant next year yeah and we're talking to josh stevens forester here in columbia in the mid-missouri area Let's go back to our walk in the woods and we're uh, noticing all the different things around, including maybe plants that are possibly 
food and possibly medicine and thinking about, well, if you don't know that much, maybe it's not a good idea just to start, you know, picking up things and eating them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's some toxic stuff out there. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember the, I've been trying to think of the name of the plant, the one that killed, uh, or the one that Socrates drank. Oh, um, it's the, it's in the carrot family. It's a, yeah, Hemlock. It's like a, yes. Hemlock. Uh, I found that growing along the MKT trail. Mm. Uh, last growing season, it had a heyday in Missouri like I'd never seen before. It was they all have, over the place. They have, they look like Queen Anne's lace, yeah. the heads of it. And it was growing right along a trail. And you can uh, pick up the toxin from that plant just by touching it. Wow. So, um, so there's there's an example. And that's just one plant. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically, the difference between a medicine and a toxin is dose. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, some of these are very strong medicines that if you take them at a high dose, they're just, they're not good for your body and they yeah. can cause certain organs to shut down or behave, behave wow. weirdly. So finding resources to help you learn about this stuff, um, people or, or other books yeah. or something. The Peterson's Field Guide to Medicinal Plants uh, has been my primary go-to. Right. Um, And then, of course, Google. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, like just uh, searching. Yeah, just going online. There's tons, you know. Yeah. From reputable places. Of course. Of course. (laughs) One one thing I found hard is the pictures on the internet uh, may or may not always be good representatives of what you're looking for or, or be, or be uh, clear as to what it is that the characteristics are. So that can be a learning curve in itself. Sure. But it's a good start. Um, well, you, you really need to make sure you get the ID right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also need to research and like in the Peterson's field guide, they will tell you the, the toxins in the plant, if it has any, and any special considerations. Oh, that's a good one. You know, and so before you even touch the plant, you know, it's something you want to want to know a little about. Yeah, yeah. Or go with a friend who knows a little more. Yes. Or, or, or you're both interested and you can both reference things. Two brains or more usually is better than one. Yes. <laughs> At least in my case. <laughs> uh, let's see then. So we, uh, we're walking through this forest and we see some things. Now we have a guidebook in our hand or a friend with us and we'll, we'll be a little safer. Um, let's say, uh, let's say we're, we're walking out of the forest now and we're really inspired by what we saw and we want to like build something, maybe a wooden, a wooden project or something like a shed or something like that. And yeah, we want to, we want to, we need some wood now. We need some planks or we need some two befores or whatever. This is something that is interesting because, you know, you think of getting lumber at the lumber yard. But one thing you mentioned is thinking about locally sourced lumber. Sure. And that. Yeah. Do you know what the biggest agriculture industry in Missouri is? The biggest agriculture industry. Cattle. The sector like. Yeah. Ca- cattle. So cattle, maybe? soybeans, corn. I'd say cattle. It's timber. It's timber. Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's just so many acres of the Ozarks. It's, wow. You know, if you, you get down in the heart of the Ozarks and there's a lot of logging trucks on the road. That's true. Um, yeah. I see them even up here. Yeah. There, a lot of them are going to the sawmills up in the Amish area, yeah. and they're cutting them up into whatever. Uh, that might, I don't know. Tell, tell me about getting that local timber and being able to find it or have it sawed, or if you have some trees in your 
backyard or something, maybe getting them turned into wood? Sure. What, what are some ways people can get local, local sourced lumber? It's pretty hard to find locally sourced lumber. The way the industry is designed is it goes to a sawmill and then it gets shipped away. Wow. Uh, you know, could, uh, we ship wood all over the world from Missouri. So yeah, get, um, get a better it, price for it, a better price. And then also the, the market is just designed mm. to flow that way. Wow. Um, and you know, Missouri used to have a lot of, uh, small family owned sawmills. You know, there was probably, uh, a minimum of a hundred in Boone County in what? the 1800s. Whoa. And, you know, now it's, you know, maybe one big mill that covers f- five to ten counties. Yeah. You know, and it's, that makes sense. it's a whole different thing where they have to feed that mill. And so it's hard to find local wood, um, but it's out there. And there's a lot of people that do have small bandsaws in Boone County and in the surround, surrounding counties. Uh, What's a bandsaw good for in that regard? You could take a tree off your property up to a certain size, mm-hmm. depending, you know, there's a lot of different makers of bandsaws. A bandsaw I'm thinking of is like, you know, you have it in your wood shop and you're cutting little Christmas ornaments or something. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the exact same concept. Uh-huh. It's a band running on right. two wheels, but instead of on a little table in front of you, it's turned on its side and it and the table moves either oh, through the band wow. or the the band moves over the table okay that holds the log so yeah bandsaw for sawing wow. logs sorry. okay okay and and those are pretty common they're fairly affordable if you own property and and you have enough timber you could make a little bit of side income uh, just sawing lumber on your property uh, and so you, that's generally the people that have them is people that either own enough property to kind of like stack up wood all year long and then once a year sell it. I see. Or they have like a, a little carpentry hobby business or uh-huh. something. No. So I went online and I looked and I found the website for the Midwest Woodworkers Association. Oh. I've run into these folks at workshops about forest management timber harvesting it's a it's a local group and i'm assuming woodworking is what brings them together yeah uh, but they're a great resource of people who know these folks who have these bandsaws and if yeah. you wanted to plane it if you wanted to kiln dry it or if you just needed to possibly borrow a piece of machinery that you don't have you so know they saw of some type or something yeah so like if you had uh, wood, but not enough to justify buying a bandsaw or whatever. They might be able to bring it to you. Yeah, I don't want to donate these guys' equipment for them, but no. I but think for, the for point I'm well, trying to make price. is <laughs> these guys would be a good resource for uh, finding locally sourced wood. Aha! Uh-huh. They may have some wood available themselves. They might have some wood, just maybe if they overbought, or mm-hmm. they could tell you, you know, wow, where to go get the wood. That's that's some good stuff. So next time you're looking for a project and you need to go to the lumber store, well, maybe you can find a find the network that's nearby and get some of that stuff. Yeah, support the local economy. Yeah, um, you oh. know, 
uh, hopefully, you know, just like at the farmer's market, you can ask, you know, was this, how was this raised? Mm -hmm. Uh, same thing with lumber. You know, if you're buying lumber from a person, if, if the guy that sawed it up is the guy that owns the lumber, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, then you can actually ask that question and get a response you can trust. And, and so you can, you can start to have more of an intimate relationship with the local land just through that simple act right there. Buying, that is great. Buying local wood. Yeah. Yeah. And creating that network there that can support you down the road too. Uh, one thing I, I wanted sure. to ask, this will be maybe a little off topic, but you talk about the guys with the saws and the guys with the lumber. Is this like mostly men who are doing this stuff? I noticed I was saying guys a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's a I general term for is. people, yes. but I yes. also realized like, yeah, I don't think of it as necessarily a very 50-50 gendered thing, but on the you know flip side, it may just be the, the tradition or whatever. But uh, I mean, there are there... I guess there are women out there with the sawmills and things like that, but just uh, yeah. And I apologize to the no, 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 the ladies. I've yeah. met a few, so yeah. There you um, go. Yeah, but I think that's something else. You know, you can uh, make those connections yourself if you're dealing with the local, you know, uh, network of, of people, and uh, so seek out what feels good for you and um, learn about all the people out there, and and get get into that network of things the other network thing i was we were talking a little about was how the forest and the maybe the farming or or the medicine can be connected to the community of people especially if there is a lot of work to be done but not you know one one or two people around who actually own it or manage it but thinking about those community events maybe like the center for agroforestry or or other places that people own land or maybe like in here in columbia they've got that mkt trail and there is just so much forest that's just growing wild well what about creating i don't know some some interest in the community managing that forest for medicinal or food purposes that's something kind of along the lines of what you were talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that would be great. And, you know, that's how it used to be. That's right. That's how it used to be. And it would be so awesome if it was like that now. And we have <laughs> all this land out there, you know, along the Katy. I'm thinking Cape and Park. Yeah. I'm thinking the Bear Trail in the north end of town. Oh, yeah. And, you know, those are all available places where we could actually be tending Food and medicine. Yeah. Rock Bridge, another one. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a lot of medicine and food out there already. Right. Without us really necessarily sticking our heads around trying to improve. Yeah. But, you know, we could make a huge difference in biodiversity. Yeah. So they both go hand in hand, the biodiversity and the... And it really comes back to health. You know, the more healthy it is, the, the more healthy the medicine that goes into your body is going to be. Healthy ecosystem, healthy medicine, healthy body. I love it. I want a, I want a bumper sticker with that. <laughs> <laughs> or a T-shirt or something. This has been great, being able to uh, kind of dive into where, where, where all these little paths take us and, and, uh, and just be reminded. This is all stuff that I think I've thought about or heard about, but it's kind of reinforcing, you know, the idea of diversity, the idea of uh, community, and the idea of... Yeah, and I just challenged myself to, like, focus on one species at a time mm -hmm. as far as medicine. And I kind of let that species find me. I didn't 
pick it before I went out. <laughs> you know, it just really deepens your intimacy with, uh, with nature great. when you're able to go out and have that relationship with it. Well, that, that gives us something to maybe try next time we're out there, see what talks to us and open up to that. Well, Josh, thanks for coming on. This has been Josh Stevens, Forrester. Uh, can people contact you, or do you have a, a website or anything for your 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 ventures or enterprises? Uh, I'm not really, no. Okay. I don't have the website going anymore. That's okay. Um, my business changed a lot, and I'm still just trying to figure exactly out. And this forest farming thing is really interesting to me, and there's not a big market for it yeah. to support a business. And so just kind of following my passion and and That's so yeah, you can get a hold of me by email okay uh, josh dot h dot stevens with a v uh-huh at gmail.com all right well that'll start that's the starting of our community wherever it ends up and Sweet. maybe we can have you on some later time and keep keep walking down these paths and seeing where we go yeah there's so much we can talk about and it's so seasonal too yeah that's right okay well we will keep in touch